think I, I turned it on and turned it off or something. I, no telling. No, Mar- I said Merry Day After Christmas, and then I know most of you didn't know what to do with that, so you were like, oh, Merry Christmas. So it's, uh, it's good to see you on this nice, sunny summer day. Um, man, the weather yesterday was awesome, wasn't it? Isn't that crazy? How crazy is that? Welcome to Tennessee. Oh, man, it's, uh, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, I do hope that you had a, uh, an awesome Christmas. Uh, if nothing else, I know that dads everywhere uh, finally got to wield their swords, known as pocket knives, to be used finally after all year of being ignored by the rest of their families and uh, to open their presents. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, we, had a, we had a good day. Uh, uh, my parents came and hung with us, and uh, and some other friends came and hung with us, and and we love that, and uh, that's that's the way it should be, and uh, awesome that it can be. And and listen, if you're ever, uh, I'm always reminded, and we should probably say this more, but you know, if you're ever alone on those days and you don't want to be, speak up, let us know. And uh, man, we got we got a church full of families uh, that would love for you to 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 do Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever. Uh, with them. You don't have to be alone for those things. Uh, you are loved. Uh, and uh, man, I'm glad to be a part of a church where that's true. And uh, I love hearing the stories of where that has been happening uh, over this past Thanksgiving and Christmas. So it's good stuff. Um, so this morning, um, you know, we are uh, sort of finishing up, if you will, uh, this series that we've been in that, uh, you know, started with Isaiah 9 6. And uh, in Isaiah 9 6, we have this passage that we know so well and and uh, we hear it a lot especially at Christmas time and it's prophecy it's prophecy from you know six or seven hundred years before Jesus would come and walk the earth uh, God speaks to Isaiah and uh, Isaiah pins this for us as part of God's word uh, and and just what an amazing uh, passage in fact if you don't have a Bible I want to just throw this out there our ushers have Bibles and uh, if you want one or need one you are welcome to get one they'll walk the aisle for you just to bring you one and uh, just throw your hand up let them know if you don't own one you can keep that one we'd love for you to take it um, but um, uh, yeah let's go to Isaiah 9 6 and let's look at this and uh, today's service is going to be a little different as a whole uh, because uh, uh, I don't I don't plan on uh, speaking very long uh, and then uh, I, I want us to focus today uh, in, uh, you know, just the reminder, you know, that this is really about Jesus. And you might say, man, it's like, you know, we've gone through Christmas and, you know, we've already done Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Like, you know, how much more is he going to milk this thing, you know, right? Um, and, uh, and, and it's like, you know, can we have like, you know, just so, it just seems like there's so much Jesus, um, you know, and, and, and the truth is, is I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for us to have so much Jesus. Uh, and in fact, um, if you've noticed, you know, as a whole, um, you know, obviously we, we talk about the application of Scripture to our lives, but as a whole, our church and our pastoral team and, uh, and myself or whatever, uh, when, when it comes to teaching, uh, instead of trying to approach Scripture with like, What's the ten greatest ways to succeed in life? Uh, you know, what, the approach that we take is let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on the gospel. Let's focus on the Lord. And out of that, he will change us to fix all of these little things that we've got, 
you know, that we're trying to figure out in life. And the application comes in that and through that. Um, and so, you know, this is no, no different. And so today, uh, you know, I, I wanted to kind of just recap the things that we've been talking about uh, when it comes to these four names that uh, uh, were given uh, to the Lord. Uh, and then we're, then we're going to talk, uh, talk about the Lord's Supper uh, and we're going to focus on Christ today, and we're going to celebrate and be reminded uh, and spend some time uh, just even, uh, you know, looking internally at, our, at ourselves, you know, uh, before we actually take uh, communion together. And so, uh, anyway, let's, let's look at Isaiah 9-6. We've read this a few times, uh, but I want to read it one more time with us today. Um, and it says this, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we have spent the last four weeks talking about these four names, and uh, on Christmas Eve we talked about Prince of Peace, uh, and what an awesome thing, an awesome service that was, and thank you to everybody that came uh, for that. We had such an awesome time. Um, but here we have these four names, and really what we've got is we've got a baby with four names, each telling us what he's going to do. If you look at these four names, they tell us uh, the story almost beforehand of, of who he's going to be, what he's going to do, uh, and obviously we've talked about each of these things, counselor, wonderful counselor being first, which uh, you know, corresponds with our need for uh, guidance, our need for wisdom. Uh, you know, this is, this is huge for us in our lives. You know, we're, we're constantly needing advice. Where are we looking to for advice in our life? Are we, are we, are we looking to the Lord? Are we looking to, you know, uh, Aunt Jenny? You know, are we looking to Google? Uh, you know, uh, we got a joke at our house, my wife can't Google anything. And uh, I don't know why that is, but uh, for whatever reason, she just can't. I mean, we'll be riding down the road, and we're going to some place, and be like, why don't you just Google that? And she'll be like, you really want me to do that, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I want you to, you know, find out what time they're open, or, you know, whatever it is, you know. But, uh, you know, we, we, we're, it's so easy for us now to get information. And the truth is, is a lot of times we need information, but we need godly information. We need supernatural information from our creator and that's that's what Jesus brings his counsel is wonderful uh, and his advice uh, is for our lives is better than anyone could ever give us it's amazing and it's different from the advice of the world you know and I, I think that's worth noting for us today you know the second of those things there mighty God you know mighty which corresponds with our need for uh, his strength and power uh, to be able to live a life that is pleasing to God uh, is huge. You know, I, I, I think that we just forget. I think we forget. It's like we want to lean on the Lord. We want to lean on His power. We want Him to lead us. But at the end of the day, we forget that, that it's like He's right there. He's right there. And, and all we have to do is lean in on Him, and He wants to share that with us. How amazing is that for us today? You know, it's like, you know, if, if I you know, said, hey, you, you could have more power in some circumstance in life, you know, uh, most of us are going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take all that I can get, you know, and then we forget 
that we're able to tap into the most powerful thing in ever. You know, God himself who created all things. His might is divine. There is no greater power in all the universe than his. And it will prevail over all his enemies and it is full of hope. We love hope. We want hope. Right? But then we forget to lean on where it comes from and instead we're Googling it. All right? Then, uh, the, third, the third name, Everlasting Father, uh, which corresponds with our need uh, for firm and gentle care and provision, especially, and I love this, this is from Desiring God, by the way, especially if I've never known it here. Especially if I've never known it here. You know, so for someone who's never had a great earthly father or never had an earthly father at all that they ever knew, uh, listen, uh, mighty, uh, everlasting Father is, is exactly what we need. And it's exactly what you need. It's exactly what I need, even though I've got a great dad. You know, his fatherhood is everlasting. We will never attend this father's funeral. He will never get old and senile and leave you like an orphan on your own. He will never not have a pocket knife on him, okay? I mean, like, he's, he's always there for us. He's always exactly what we need all the time, everlasting, which is amazing. And then the last, lastly there, the Prince of Peace, you know, he, he brings peace. He is peaceful. Uh, and the truth is, is that we have a need for quietness and rest and freedom from trouble and agitation in our lives, you know, and his peace is, is this peace that's unlike anything that we could ever experience in this world without him. We need him to experience it. And it's maintained by the fact that he has princely authority. The government shall be upon his shoulders as a great prince, and his kingdom will be everlasting peace. Peace. So, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And you go, okay, well that closes the book on that, right? We've been talking about it for four weeks, Chris. You can hush about it now. Well, I can. Or we could take that, and while we're thinking about it, we could remember who Christ is and what he's done for us, and that's what I felt led for us to do today. And so today, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we have this passage where Paul is helping us to understand the Lord's Supper, to to understand what it looks like for us to take communion together. Uh, The cup and the bread and these things that we see, uh, this, you know, infamous uh, picture of Jesus and his disciples doing just before Jesus is carted off to be killed, right? And in Verse 11 of 1 Corinthians, uh, you know, we've got this, we've got this, you know, we've got instruction. And, and, here, and let me just kind of give you a little backstory here. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of these uh, books that Paul uh, was a part of, that God used Paul to write uh, as his word, um, you know, like Corinthians, were written to churches. And they were written to specific churches. In fact, the, the names correlate uh, the church in which the letter would have gone to. These were letters at that time. And uh, this is a letter to the church at Corinth. It's one of two letters that we have uh, in Scripture, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. 
And the purpose in why Paul is talking about this is because he had been told and had found out that they were struggling as a church. They were struggling as a church. Imagine that, I, you know, being a, being a new church. In fact, being a church at the beginning of the church of Jesus, okay, which is exactly what they were, they were trying to figure out, you know, all these things about, you know, what's the right way to do this and, what, you know, how should we be, be going about that or, you know, whatever. And, and, and like anything else uh, of just about any time period ever in history, uh, you've got a situation where in these churches, things like politics or uh, hierarchy of uh, you know the community or whatever begin to kind of play a part into the things going on in these churches and that's exactly what was happening here and so Paul ends up having to discuss in his letter to the church at Corinth the some of the rights and wrongs about how to approach the Lord's Supper how to approach communion because they were exactly letting, letting those things that I just talked about uh, begin to influence what they were doing in the church down to richer people and poorer people, you know, being kind of segregated in how this was happening. And, and you know, and literally, like, uh, you know, there were poor people that were coming who could not get food, and yet they were coming and uh, taking of the bread and the cup to literally eat like a meal. Uh, and, and then you had uh, rich people uh, who he's, you know, you'll see all this in just a minute, who he's alluding to, who not only were coming to take a meal, but, uh, you know, were looking down upon these other people, and yet at the same time, were taking the wine and getting drunk. And so Paul's like, all right, it's time to draw some lines, right? <laughs> you know? And, and so that's, that's where we have, you know, some of this here. Now, obviously, I don't think that these are necessarily... Uh, the same issues that we might have today, but the truth is, is that we might have issues, if even if not outwardly, but in our hearts, with how we approach sometimes the Lord's Supper, how we approach communion. And Paul gives some instruction on that, and I think it's important for us to heed to that and listen to that. So in verse 17 of, of chapter 11, verse 1 Corinthians, it says this. It says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because you come together. It is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that, you, that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. So Paul is drawing some of those lines. And to throw in also, he recognizes that there's divisions among the church. Now, I would say that there's probably divisions among every church somewhere within, you know, oh, well, I go to church with so-and-so, but, you know, we're not really speaking or whatever. Listen, not only is that not healthy for the church, it's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for you. The Lord does not want us to have 
divisions among us. Very specifically, Paul is pointing that out. He's like, look, I've heard this. It's not good. And at the end of it, shall I commend this? No, I will not. He's encouraging us to not let that happen in our lives, and he's going to give a little further instruction with that too. Verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Paul just gives some basic instruction of just being reminded of, of what, the, what the bread and what the cup uh, symbolize for us and what they show us, which is this reminder of Christ and his ministry and his life that was given literally from that manger all the way to a cross and then to an empty tomb you know, I mean, this is this whole picture. But then even furthermore, uh, the cup, the, the blood that was shed on the cross that was shed for you and for me. And this is huge for us today. And again, man, I love Christmas. I love Christmas. And it's like, you know, can we have so much Jesus? Yes, we can have so much Jesus and more Jesus and more Jesus. And the truth is, if we can never have enough Jesus because the truth is we need to be reminded that that manger would eventually lead to that cross that Jesus would sit at a table with his friends a couple of days before he would die and you can imagine what this must have been like for him I mean Jesus had feelings he came fully God but also fully human in the flesh that Jesus himself would sit there knowing that many of them would completely turn their backs on him and that one of them was already in the process of betraying him. And he even calls that out at dinner, you know. And in the middle of that, you know, of course, Judas takes off or whatever, you know, but, but there's, this, there's this whole thing of like, here he is still, he's still there. He's still there. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to do this. He knew, he, knew that, he knew that they would be denying who he was and all these things. We're talking about his closest friends. Let's say it's your birthday. And you want to go out and celebrate for your birthday at your favorite restaurant, right? And you're going to do that. Who are you going to invite? Are you going to invite the people that you know are stabbing you in the back? The people that you know aren't real with you to your face? Let the people that you're going to invite to your birthday party go eat some shrimps and lobsters? Probably not. Probably not. But that's what we see Jesus do. Jesus sits at this table knowing the whole time what's going to happen. Knowing they're going to deny him. Even, even, 
in the middle of knowing that He has come, that He is going to die. I think to myself, you know, I think most of us in situations like that would probably just say, I just want to be alone. I don't even want to be around people. Sometimes Chris just can't be around people. I'm not a people person. I'm introverted, whatever it is, blah, 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 you know. Listen, our whole calling in this life is based around us loving others. And the truth is, is sometimes those others are not people that are our ideal best friends. But they're the people we've been called to love. They're the people that God's put in our lives. They may betray us, but really at the end of the day, does it really matter? We betrayed the Lord. And He loved us all the way to the point of death, even death on the cross. And thank God for an empty tomb later on. Verse 27, it goes on, it says, Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28 says, Let a person examine himself. Then, and so, eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is, a, this is a really strong warning that Paul is giving here. That how we approach our time when we remember and recognize who God is through the taking of the Lord's Supper is really important. And it's really meant to be a time when we examine ourselves. That we ask ourselves hard questions. What's going on in me? Not what's going on with everybody else. Forget everybody else for a little while. What's going on in here? What's going on between me and the Lord? What am I allowing to get between me and Jesus? Let a person examine himself. Then, Paul says, then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I, you know, this begs to me of just confession, of just, of just pouring our hearts out to the Lord. And in fact, in a few minutes... Uh, what we're going to do is, is when, I, when I'm done, we're going to sing a song. And while we're singing and worshiping Jesus, I, I'm going to encourage you to spend some time examining yourself. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But examine yourself, then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Verse 30 it goes on, it says, That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. That's why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. You know, I... Paul is using some verbiage here that I think really he's pointing to the spiritual aspects of our lives. And the question for us today is, I hope, if we ask the question, am I spiritually weak or ill or dead? I hope not. But if we are, don't feel beat up for that. Don't feel beat up because... You know, maybe we've strayed away, we've made some mistakes, whatever's going on that's kind of driven us away from the Lord. The Lord is still there. He still loves you. He still cares about you. He's still saying, come on. Come on. My, my, my door is always open. You can come on with me anytime. It's not about us having our junk together. 
It's about us pursuing Him and allowing Him to help us get our junk together. Verse 31, it says, But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. And that's a telling statement of just God saying, you know, if you were able to do this for yourself, if you were able to constantly examine yourself and be honest with yourself about who I am in your life or who I'm not, then uh, I wouldn't have to, (laughs) right? In verse 32, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. God has an amazing way of reining us in sometimes, doesn't he? He'll bring us to our knees. Sometimes in the middle of like life's greatest moments or sometimes in the middle of life's worst moments, he brings us to our knees. Is it really any different? Is it really any different when it's life's greatest moments or our worst or our worst or hardest moments of life when when the Lord brings us to our knees that we're reminded, you know, I'm looking to everything but Jesus right now to fix this? God wants to do that work in our hearts and in our lives. He wants to change us. You want some life application? There it is. Follow Jesus. Let him change your heart. And in turn, he will change your life. Verse 33, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. Don't come for the meal. Come to remember who Christ is. About the other other things, I will give directions when I come. The things I'm reminded of when it comes to the Lord's Supper, when it comes to communion, is that when we take this, this should be a time of reflection. It should be a time for us to check our hearts. It should be a time of confession to the Lord. It can even be a time to heal and mend relationships. Remember the whole division piece in there? That's in there, right? And really what this is, this is, it's, this is about, you know, uh, God trying to build up his church. He's trying to strengthen his church. He doesn't want us to be divided. Satan wants the church to be divided. We don't want that junk. We want to kick him in the face. We don't need that junk around here. It's a time of remembrance. It's a time of reflection. Who Christ is. What Christ has done for us. And it's a time for us to be together, to sit together, to eat the bread together, to take the cup together. Communion is done in community, right? This is something for the church to be done together. And so in the next few moments, the band's going to come, we're going to sing a song. While we sing the song, I want to encourage you that while you sing, I want you, to, I want you to praise the Lord. I want you to sing to the Lord. I want you to sing with all your heart, as long as your heart is meaning it. You're not doing it for show. But I want you to take that time to also check yourself. Check your hearts. Confess if you need to. Let God heal and mend a relationship. Maybe you need to go to somebody and say, hey, I've had something in my heart against you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
Maybe you need to walk outside and, and pick up the phone and call them and say, I love you. Use this time to remember and reflect who Christ is and what He's done. And may we be reminded of what an awesome thing it is for us to be together as the church in community, taking communion. After this song, we will take communion together. And I pray that as we do so, that we will be reminded that it's all about Jesus. And we can never have too much. And today we need Him as as desperately as the day that we first knew Him. Maybe you're here today, maybe you don't know Him. Maybe you've never trusted in Christ. I want to encourage you that as we're doing this today, I encourage you just to sit and just listen to the Lord. Maybe God's speaking in your heart and saying, hey, run to me. I'd, I'd love to pray with you today about that. If you would love, if you feel like God is tugging on your heart today to receive Christ as your Savior, I'll be here all day, as long as I need to be, to talk, pray with anyone that wants to talk or pray about those things. This is what we will be doing as believers. But maybe if you're not a believer, hang back. Let the Lord continue to speak to your heart. Or seek out someone, myself or one of the other pastors or someone you came with, to talk with about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior. So much Jesus. Let's pray. God, I pray, Lord, for us as your people, Lord, many of us, Many of us are ill. Many of us are weak. Maybe some even dead when it comes to our spiritual lives. But Lord, you want to rejuvenate that or you want to start that today for the first time ever in our lives. God, I pray wherever and whoever, Lord, you are speaking to right now, God, I just pray that, Lord, we would be reminded of who you are and how much you love us. God, thank you for sending Jesus for us. Thank you for a manger. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty grave. God, may we as your people be reminded today as we just focus on who you are. Lord, I pray that that would change who we are. God, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for your love, for your grace, your mercy. We ask all this in his name.